0: Hello, lovely humans. I'm YO Lee, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we talk about our sex lives so that we can try to have the type of sex that we actually want to be having. As always, please keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourselves, no matter how wonderfully perverted they are. Go listen to the outro if you want to connect and enjoy. Our guest today is a 57-year-old married man. He is mostly straight, but is pan-curious, and he's into leatherwork and ropes. A certified Tantra educator, massage practitioner, journeyman, and electrician from Central California and, in fact, my very own hometown, though I did not know him when I lived there. Welcome, Will. Hi. First, <laughs> if you had to rate yourself today on a sexual shame meter with 10 being the most full of shame and one being not so shamey at all, where do you fall right now?
1: I'd say I'm about a three. I'm, I'm feeling a lot of, you know, nervousness
0: and stuff like
1: that, but I think it's just jitters.
0: Okay. And can you give us a little overview of what your sex life is like right now? Like, what are your favorite parts? What are you into?
1: Well, my favorite parts is when I can surprise my wife with something. Like, sometimes when she comes home from work, I may have the massage table set up. And just to spoil her with that and get her to relax, you know, get her sense of vigilance, you know, kind of lowered down so she can really just relax. And then when we're connecting and being intimate, you know, there's so much around energy and touch and connection that, you know, with her, it's something that I've found pretty unique in life is just how open she is when I drop into an energetic space. Yeah. You know, we're being intimate and I allow my like the thinking brain to shut down and really get into feeling, you know, and I used to think this was my imagination, but I would just imagine like the energy from the earth flowing up and through me. And I would actually feel her respond just by making that kind of request for energy to move through me. And that's when I knew that this was an amazing possibility of deepening. And that has always just really, you know, it's led to her having new experiences as well, which is really joyful.
0: That's amazing, and I can't wait to hear more about this. Can you tell us first, though, what is sexy to you? What does it mean to you? What's your personal definition? A lot of it has
1: to do with confidence. Like, Sexy in an individual is one where they're just feeling so grounded in their own life and their own being that they're just able to show up with, you know, they know their boundaries, they know how they're coming across And for me, there's just something that kind of emanates from them that just captures my eye. You know, it doesn't so much depend upon their physicality or anything else. But when there's that sense of confidence and look in their eye, that definitely gets my attention.
0: And when do you feel sexy? When I feel sexy. Oh,
1: man. I feel good about myself because I live in a lot of self-doubt. I'm very often you know, checking my motivations or checking how I might be being perceived. So when I'm feeling really clear about that and I'm feeling empowered and there's no conflict going on, when there's no internal conflict, no external conflict, then I generally like to feel sexy. As my therapist says, you know, everything should be foreplay. You know, everything in life should give you turn on. I call it turn on. So when things are going great, like, I'm working on the house, we're doing a remodel and it's just starting to really get dialed in feeling good. It's like, there's, you know, quote unquote, turn on in that space because my, you know, and you'll hear me use this once in a while, the vigilance that I have, and I'm looking for things that aren't quite right or need to be tweaked one way or the other. When none of that is there, I am free to just kind of drop into myself and feel sexy.
0: Amazing. And I too, am a big fan of living a turned on life. Like for me, I think once I started having good sex and it started to kind of create this cyclical thing in my life where everything, I mean, not like to rosy glasses it, but just like they still have regular sad days, hard days, whatever. But like, I feel you. Okay. So we've heard what's sexy to you when you feel sexy. Now, what do you actually define as sex? What is sex to you?
1: I would say, you know, I have an inner world and I have this kind of outer world and like sex to me is like when you are Interacting with somebody where you're kind of going from tantric, I mean, it, it define things in terms of tantra. You have white tantra over all the way to the extreme of red tantra. White tantra is, if I am like meditating, am I taking care of my own energetic space, the idea of relaxing my body and stuff like that, that's doing white tantra, because so I'm dealing with the energy that's in and around myself. And then if you go to the extreme of deep red tantra, that's like during sex and and you know, bodies are are penetrating each other and your energies are all mixed up, that's red. Mm -hmm. So you can go anywhere from white to pink to red because depending upon how you're interfacing with somebody, you're dropping in your, you know, auras or whatever you want to call it, your body energy that emanates from us are overlapping. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, my definition of sex can be anywhere along the lines of, you know, something pink to absolutely red because obviously if I'm having sex with somebody, that sex but if i am having a juicy you know eye gazing with somebody and you kind of feel that turn on going on there's definitely a quality around sex that i i mean that gives me turn on that gives me vitality and that's something that i really love and so i call that sex too
0: totally love that is there intention behind it because i imagine that there must be especially in sort of like are you monogamous with your partner
1: We're monogamous. We've had some threesomes. We've gone to some, you know, play parties and things of that nature. So
0: I I just ask because I imagine that you're not like accidentally eye gazing at someone, even if you do feel an energetic connection. Like there's got to be some intention behind it, maybe too.
1: Sure, if it's somewhat rosy and certain as opposed to red, but if it's something rosy, that that's okay. You know, it's when you cross physical boundaries and things of that nature. You know, my wife has a lot of male friends in this small town. She was living up here. That's why I came to where i live now mm-hmm. she's got a lot of male friends and they've got a lot of special connections and i mean some of them are even ex boyfriends or you know <laughs> lovers things of that nature and you know and we get along fantastically and so forth like that and where i need to get myself more clear is is that i feel intimidated sometimes dropping in with women for the most part in that regard because I get self-conscious because I, you know, wonder at what point would that be something that might be a trigger for her. Mm. And so that's a space I really don't enjoy because I want to just be myself 100% authentically. And so, you know, as long as the physical boundaries are honored, cool. Once they kind of slip beyond that, not okay. So yeah, monogamy is not a matter
0: totally feel so much of that and it's also tricky because sometimes we don't know until later like so- oftentimes we don't boundaries wise what i've been observing with people is like sometimes they don't know sometimes we don't know sometimes we have to yeah
1: yeah i've had to have awkward conversations with people i like being part of the dance communities where i'm at you know in that space there can be a lot of energy thrown around and so again getting back to my demographic and just wanting to contain my energy. But then you feel this titillation with somebody and you're like, okay, well, that's, that's nice. That's turn on. That's, that's feeding me. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, how much of that is just because I'm an older guy, you know, I'm pushing 60 here in a few years and I've never thought I'd live this long it's like, is it me being insecure and worrying? Hey, do I still have it? Do I still got it? Versus like, am I actually doing this? This person's young enough to be my daughter. And so there's this one person in this dance community here where I was like, Hey, can I talk to you for a second? And she's like, sure. And I'm like, I'm feeling this energy. I just want to know, is it just something I'm creating or is it? And she goes, Oh no, it's definitely there. I'm like, Oh good. Phew. And it's like, you know, I'm wait oh yeah you're way too old for me i'm like okay
0: great <laughs> oh, and, okay but what a beautiful conversation because you can acknowledge that your experience is real and then also decide if you're going to do anything about it or not consciously rather than just like because what i get a lot is like is there a vibe you know i'm the feeling with someone's like is there a vibe and then suddenly it's like blah, 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 and i'm doing like yeah. a gross tongue toward the microphone but like
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: <laughs> okay and it was okay for you to receive that it sounds like too
1: It is, but I have to allow myself to receive it because what I want to ideally do is I want to feel this turn on throughout life, go through my day, feel either this, you know, the energy people are sending my way and then I want to bring it home and I want to turn it and direct it to my partner Mm. and have it kind of fill her up, feel my turn on, feel my excitement. And that's something that I really want to see the world in a larger sense have the permission to do that and know that it's unless you are really looking to mess things up then it's okay you know it's like we're all learning we're all you know energetic spirits having a physical experience or whatever
0: Yeah. Anyway. yeah or whatever exactly <laughs> okay so now take us back what sort of sex ed lesson health and safety talk or any lesson in consent did you get growing up did you get one
1: well, I would say as far as consent, no. That was never something that was brought up, which is a real shame. I didn't learn that until much later till I was doing things with uh, One Taste and Sexual Mastery and, and Source School Tantra Yoga. It wasn't until then where it became so explicit. But as far as hometown goes, we had a, that sex talk in junior high, sex ed, and that was abysmal. And it just left me with a lot of fears around getting somebody pregnant, getting STDs, but nothing about like, how do you approach somebody respectfully? How do you know (laughs) what boundaries are? How do you know when you're pushing something that it's okay? You know, And so yeah, I never got the sex talk from my parents. The nearest thing that came to was probably when I was about 15, my mother gave me a book and it was just about you know, the birds and the bees and how an orgasm might feel and things of that nature, but never really something all that empowering. It wasn't until I made a really foolish mistake of having unprotected sex once that I got an STD. And my mom really had my back on that because it was a very awkward moment for me. It was 18 or 19 at the time. And I just discovered what the, what is it? It's chlamydia that gives you that drip as a male. And, uh, I was at work and I'm like, what the hell is happening down there? And found out I had contacted chlamydia and it was devastating, you know? And I remember I was at home and I came out of the bathroom. My mom just read me like a book. She's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, Oh Jesus. All right. So I, I told her what happened which is probably a good thing because the person I got it from, I I went and had a conversation with her and I said, hey, you know, I think I got something from you. And she called up my household. This is back before cell phones, so it was a landline. And she just basically blasted my mom saying tell your son that didn't get it from me, got it from somebody else. And my mom just laughed at her on the phone because I had already had this conversation with her. And so that was very liberating that my mom had my back. She trusted me that I had, yeah, I'd made a mistake, but I was very honest about that. had a very Mm -hmm. honest conversation with her. And so I was very grateful for being able to have that level of conversation with her, but it was unfortunate that it had to happen in the past tense. Like Mm -hmm. this is already, instead of having the knowledge ahead of time.
0: How was that for you? I know we haven't gotten into your early experiences yet, but like, it sounds like there was a bonding moment with your mom. Were you scared of STIs after that, or did it kind of inform your future practices?
1: It, it, it informed my future practices, but... So I went to doctors to check that out, and I not only contacted Flemidia, but I also got HPV. But I didn't know I had HPV until a uh, time in the future, where having protected sex, the condom slipped off and found out later that I had given somebody HPV. I did not know I had genital warts at that
0: point. Well, HPV is a sneaky one too.
1: Oh yeah. It's really, really bad. And unfortunately, I think I may have compromised this person's ability to have children, Mm. you know, and that was devastating to me, you know, and it just really racked my brain. And so now I got thrown into this headspace around I want sex, I want closeness, I want to, you know, experience what that is all about, because it's all around me, it's ubiquitously around me, and it's not something that I have an ease of being able to have, because now i got this sneaky virus that, you know, can really mess people up. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until, like, decades later of, like, searching out and finding answers, about sex, about consent and having communication with people and that you can really drop in like some people like, oh yeah, I've encountered HPV before or I've been vaccinated or anything else like that and then you you know make the decision to be you know fluid bonded that you can have uh, unprotected sex.
0: Okay, so as an adult now when you're having a conversation with a potential new partner that you and your wife might play with, how would that conversation go between you guys?
1: Oh okay, well, we are going to be sexual. So what works for you in terms of keeping yourself safe? What's your sexual history? When was your last time you've been tested? You know, And if it's something where there's any kind of ambiguity, yeah, condoms are going to be used.
0: Beautiful. Okay. And then I know that you didn't get an explicit consent talk, just like me, just like most of us. But do you have an experience as an adult? It sounds like you have lots of them. Where there was a very clear, explicit yes that was just sexy, hot, and yummy that you could share with us?
1: I know in the past that my partner has had sexual encounters with more than just her primary partner or her boyfriend at the time. And so I want to experience group sex. And I know that she had a lot of guardedness around this. So I reached out to an ex-lover of hers and invited him to come up for a visit, unbeknownst to her. and so. It was kind of at risk, but I was also very clear with him that, you know, this is not any guarantee that we're all going to get down and dirty, you know, no guarantees at all, because I know I'm surprising her with this. And so you got to be in the position that if she's like, this is overwhelming, then it's off. Yeah. And he was really cool about it. He was okay. totally fine. Cool. So he came up, with, it was a Friday. I think she'd just gotten off of work or she had her Friday free, I forget which. But I remember I was standing in the kitchen, talking to him, and you know he's standing right there. My partner had no knowledge. She goes walking through the house, but didn't look in the kitchen direction. Walked through to the back room, came walking back in this direction. She turned and looked at me, saw him standing next to me, and it was just, the look on her face was beautiful. It was a Kodak moment I wish I'd grabbed. But then it was pretty much like, oh yeah, you know, when I, when she realized what I had set up, it was definitely a go and it was transformative for me because I needed that because I had some insecurities that I knew I could grow through, Mm -hmm. but I had to have the experience in order for it to grow through. So the fact that she put together and also we talked about it, that I had been reaching out to him and wanted him here because I wanted her to see that it could be safe, that we had a lot of lot of fun that weekend and so and we had the safe sex talk uh about testing and things of that nature Uh, he's very very experimental this guy is off the charts okay as far as that goes and in some ways i admire that it's like that's the threshold where i'd like to be but i'd like to get to that threshold with my wife as well so Mm -hmm. that way you know, we're all able to experience this juiciness that life has to offer and we're keeping each other safe because we know what boundaries we want to have. We want to share these experiences together. You know, at this stage anyway, like, meeting new people and running off with them separate is not something that's currently on the table. Yeah. Uh, it might never be, and then I'm okay with that.
0: Amazing. I also just love that married people get the sort of, like, I think of it as like a trust bridge. Like it's a wiggly, like you get some wiggle room because you have trust yeah. because there is commitment because you know this person so well. And I think just right. as a person that has never had a relationship last more than a few years, I can only imagine yeah. that that's really fucking cool. I love I mean, that. Cool,
1: but you know, like I like how you used an analogy of a wiggly bridge because sometimes you feel that wiggle and you're like, is it going to break, you know? And so, yeah, I remember the morning after the first night that he stayed over, I, Was in the kitchen. I was making coffee for everybody and I was starting to hear activity in the bedroom. And that turned me on a lot. But I was also knowing that I was going to walk in there and it's going to be a first experience for us because, you know, she's not sure about where I'm at. You know, I Mm. could just suddenly, you know, twitch and like, this isn't cool, you know, this has got to end. But that's not the space I want to grow into. So, walking in there and and feeling jitters and and feeling, you know, we stayed up pretty much all night. So, I was a little thread worn and on a little edge. And that led to a a really good energetic space because, you know, they could tell my energy was a little ungrounded, a little stirred up. Wiggly. Yeah, wiggly. That wiggly bridge thing. But we had a chance from there to grow into a conversation of, you know, okay, a lot of this is because I'm really tired. A lot of this is its kind of confronting. It's a new experience. However, it's not one that I am, you know, turned off by or uh, feeling any negative emotions around. It's just something I want to process. And so we process that through, and we've had a couple other, you know, experiences together. We've gone to dungeons together, the three of us, you know, and it's a lot of fun.
0: So the pieces of your story that we have so far is 18-ish, you get HPV and chlamydia, you have that first experience, and there's some resulting fear that we'll hear about. And then you, at some point, have this sneaky threesome experience. When was that? Was that recently-ish? Or...
1: Very, very recently. okay. Yeah. Okay,
0: yeah. so sometime yeah. in the last year, yeah. you'd say?
1: Let's see, the first time we had uh, threesome was about two years ago.
0: Okay, and then when was your year of poly for yourself?
1: My year of poly was was 2015.
0: Okay. Okay. And you were still married at the time?
1: No, we weren't married. Oh, you weren't married. We've only been married the last four years.
0: Okay. So your year of solo poly then was 2015. And then you've been married the last four-ish years. Okay. So
1: 2018 you have been married. And so, yeah, my, my wife and I met at a music festival and it became this thing the same time next year. We were both single parents at the time. And so because I was down in Santa Cruz and she was in another part of California where I am now, we would only see each other for that same music festival. Amazing, And so it became same time next year and then finally we decided like let's explore this outside of the music festival venue and see if it was something that was more substantial Fuck
0: yeah okay so now take us back to your early years when do you first remember hearing about sex thinking about sex learning that it was a thing and then take us through your formative experiences that shaped you
1: well you know my body started going through you know these pubescent experiences of like you know I was in sixth grade and I had an erection. I'm like, what the hell is happening here? Did not know. And then I had a lot of chores. I grew up in a military family. Mm -hmm. So I had a whole series of chores to do. And so one of my chores was emptying the trash baskets in the house. And so I would empty the trash baskets and occasionally there'd be like a publication in there. And one of them was from my sister's room. I was the youngest of four. So my sister had this magazine that used to come out. It's called The Forum. And basically, it sh- shared sex stories, basically, not constructive sex stories like this, but more like the kind of cheap rag, you know, things like people, I mean, this is the 70s. So people were exploring sex in clubs and things of that nature. And that was like, Whoa, what is this? You know, I thumbed through it in my, my sister's magazine. So I saved that for a very long time. And so I'd read that. And then probably about a year or so later, I was emptying my father's trash basket and I found a penthouse. I'm like, oh, gold mine. And I did that. Then I had friends down the street. One of them was from L.A. And the uh, hardcore magazines were like triple X hardcore mm-hmm. magazine a penthouse, which is now kind of soft porn in comparison. And so I remember seeing those, discovering those, discovering, touching myself and masturbating. Started having wet dreams probably when I was about 14, 15, when I was discovering these, these magazines, discovering puberty. And then when I finally realized like, huh, what happens if I keep stroking my penis until, until oh my God, until that happens? <laughs> and, and then it was like, oh, I wasn't peeing in bed. I was having, you know, wet dreams and missions stuff like that and i didn't even have words for that you know because i didn't have an education around what was going on with me yeah and so you know again you know things that would just put myself back in my head in my brain and not in my body and not just feeling like oh i feel turned on okay i don't have to do anything with that or i want to go do something with that so but yeah once i discovered the access to porn you know now i could just you know open a web page and see all the naked bodies and sex I want you know it's everywhere but back in my day when I was like 16 years old or actually I didn't have my driving license then I was 15 years old me and my friends would ride our bicycles with long pants to the nearest corner store that sold and you'd buy a magazine that's terrified 15 years old you're buying this adult publication and I was trying not to shake be all cool and you you know spend your five bucks on a on a magazine which as a teenager at that time it was a lot of money yeah. and then you'd stuff it in your full-length pants you know your socks your knee-high socks and dra- put your pants and your leg below it and you'd ride the mile and a half home and that was your you know score and you'd hide it in your bedroom and stuff like that okay, and then you know I'd come home from school and i want to be home so i'd you know camp out in the bathroom and you know rub one off so to speak looking at pornography and that was kind of like my education around my education but my experience around you know getting more into sex okay you know,
0: so how did that then start to translate into partnered explorations
1: poorly <laughs> <laughs> all right so my first like sexual experience oh you know with another person was when i was in high school i kept getting hooked up with all the exchange students there was this exchange student on the swim team, and I. Oh, she's from Brazil, she's so beautiful. And I remember one day after practice, I was like, so do you, you need a ride home? And she's like, no, I have a ride. I'm like, oh, that's really incredible. And I was like, oh, and for some reason, I said, who? And she just looked at me, she said, you. And I was like, oh, oh. I'll drive you home, okay? <laughs> And so we started dating after that, you know, and it was really special. I, and so she was the first person that I had any kind of sexual relating to. Mm-hmm. And so like the magazines and stuff like that and the VHS tapes you could rent to watch porn back before even Blockbuster existed. And so I knew that, you know, Conolingus is something that's perfectly safe and very cool. So I remember one time driving her back to her exchange student's house. I remember her setting her in a comfortable spot in the living room of her foster house and uh, going down on her. And that was a really neat experience. don't remember if she had an orgasm or not. I like to think she did. And then probably a week or so later, like we're making out in her room and she's like, I want to go down on you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and that was amazing. And then probably... About a month or so later, maybe less, we were on a road trip to the coast with her family and we went out. I was driving a suburban type truck and crawled into the back and we both lost our virginity to each other. But we both didn't know, especially I didn't know what I was doing. And so, you know, the thing is, is like I couldn't have a full erection. She was really dry because
0: we didn't know about wetness. Yeah, wetness is so important, you know, I know, but my my early sex, I didn't know about it. I didn't know how to get wettened up. I didn't know that was part of it. <laughs> I think it's so funny the pressure people put on themselves to know what to do when you literally couldn't possibly <laughs> you know you prepared as much as you could have, so I don't know. it sounds like it, it' sounds like it's actually pretty good. You said that it poorly prepared you. What were the parts that maybe didn't feel good, or what were the parts that then kind of Transitioned into the next phase because it was this lady, and then at some point, a couple years later, you had the scary experience. Then there
1: was so there was a time when I was nineteen and I was working out at, at McDonald's that this woman at a party, she's like saying, like, "I'd love to have sex with you," and I'm like, "Oh, great, okay." And uh, we went out on a date, and I was having difficulty getting an erection because I was nervous and all this other stuff. And long story short, she started laughing at me. And that just pulled the sheets out from under me. I was already having, you know, self-confidence issues around this as it was. So that really blew a hole in my boat. And so when I say it prepared me poorly, it's like, you know, there's so much. And I know a a little bit later you're going to ask me, like, what would I tell my younger self at some point if I go back in time? There's just so much coaching that I think needs to happen. That's why when I started hearing about, you know, sex stories And the way you were sharing them when I first started hearing your interviews, that really excited me because Mm -hmm. as a chance to, at least for others, to not have to go through these trials, you know, because knowing that connecting with another person is super important. I mean, I just didn't discover that until I was, this would have been in 2007, eventually moved to Santa Cruz to co-parent and being in the same town as the parent of my daughter is, that I really realized that, because I was feeling a lot of loneliness, but also a lot of desire for sex. Yep. And so I would actually pay for sex. I realized even in times like that, where it's like, yeah, you're here to have sex with me, I was still having erectile issues come up. And I just really came to realize, it's like, I need to have this connection first and foremost. I need to connect with the person that I want to be intimate. Because otherwise, it's just it's so shallow and superficial. And I want to be in a deeper space. And so I just came to realize that my own nervous system operates better around sex when it feels safe, when I cannot be vigilant for my own self, when I can give myself permission, you know, so in certain situations, like, you know, when you're having sex with somebody that is doing it, because you're paying them to do it, the permissions there. Yeah, but Sometimes, like I'm very empathic. And if you can tell the person that you're connecting with has some trauma and they're guarded, I'm going to pick up on it. And it's just not going to drop into it.
0: Well, it's, it's tricky because like hiring a sex worker doesn't just mean that suddenly you get a perfect girlfriend. It means you're just hiring a person that's definitely going to say yes right then and there in that moment. But it's like still a form of dating kind of.
1: Kind of. Yeah. You're hoping that, you know, you, 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 yourself reach a point of that satisfaction. But I also know that I don't consider myself a selfish person. So, I mean, even if I'm with somebody who I'm paying us, sex, I want them to have a good time. Yeah. And if they're there just for the money, it's like, it ain't going to happen. So, I mean, that's something that I can't even remember the last time I did that.
0: Can I ask where you were meeting these people? Was it like massage parlors or was it like websites or secret places to call? Or was it like...
1: Back in the day, Craigslist used to have quite a great source. Oh. I remember at, like after my parents died, I went on a sabbatical. I quit my job in Sequoia National Park. I'd been out there for 10 years. And I rode my motorcycle across North America for almost half a year. I had a little bit of a trust fund. And when you're riding solo, and I mean, unless it's somebody that you've reached out vis-a-vis a personal's website and you drop in and connect more with them, you know, sometimes I would pay for connection with somebody.
0: Fuck yeah. So I'm hearing the connection is important to you. It also really sounds like your partner's experience is a large part of your sexual experience. Does that feel safe to say?
1: Oh, Oh, that's super safe to say. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: I moved to Santa Cruz in 2007. So I was there for nine years. And over the course of time there, I gradually got more into these sex positive educations. And around 2013, I got involved with somebody who was very interested in what they call orgasmic meditation.
0: I've heard of this. Yes. OM is on my bucket list for sure, because why wouldn't I want to just like lay around and get touched? That's my understanding of it is I lay around and get touched.
1: So, yes, yes, <laughs> for the most part. Yes. <laughs> so, so that really helped peel away those layers of self-shame, of doubt and things of that nature, mostly from being a stroker, just really being there for somebody else and experiencing my monkey mind racing <laughs> on until the point of it can just quiet down, you know. Knowing enough about a woman's anatomy and nervous system that, you know, if the energy's there, you can feel it. And if the energy's not, then let's pause, you know, pull back a little bit and have a conversation. You know, it may just be the end of it. Like, okay, you know, it's rare, but uh, one or two occasions uh, in a oming session where somebody's like, I need to stop. And, okay, that's fine. The idea is that you don't take that personally everyone's in their own place. And I may be in a certain vibing at a certain frequency. And maybe at that moment for that day, it's just not a good fit.
0: I think that's the thing about sex in general is we always want to just make sure that we're staying. Well, it also sounds like you are just being trained in these classes quite literally to pay attention to your partner. But it also sounds like you are a person who has always had that desire. And it sounded like you We're about to tell me more about foreplay stuff earlier. I would love to hear you talk about your experiences with foreplay and maybe even share the arc of has your foreplay changed since you got all these new learnings?
1: Yeah, definitely has changed. It used to be that going down on a partner was something that I did because, well, A, I wanted them to feel really good and ideally have an orgasm. Because I had this self-talk that I'm probably going to disappoint them because I'm either going to not get as much of an erection as I would like, or I'm going to come too fast. So it was one extreme or another, and a lot of that had to do with my own self-story and Mm -hmm. the tension I carry within me. So it went from being one where I wanted to guarantee their pleasure, make their time with me worth it, to one of like just more play. Mm -hmm. You know, now it's more play because. You know, I've, I've grown into trusting my body more, or maybe my body trusts me better. I don't know how to even look at that. And so when it comes to foreplay, it's something that is, you know, building up to things. Like with my wife, yeah, I might bring her to orgasm because of foreplay. That's fine. She's going to have a lot more orgasms before we're done. Yeah. So I mean, that's become one, you know, issue that's it's that's a non-issue now. So so foreplay is now just part of the whole palette. That as we're building up, you know, ideally our lives are feeding us, yeah. you know, juicy moments, and then we're actually getting physical, closer, more juiciness, and then let's have fun and orgasms. And-
0: Do you still have the same? monkey mind anxiety around penis things around hardness around performance stuff or has that kind of settled down for you in your pursuit of pleasure
1: yeah it's definitely settled down more i feel much more happy about that you know quality or if it's not happening or there's two things now okay so now as i'm getting older and you know i'm 57 never thought i'd live to see this stage of my life So now if something is starting to not pop up, I'm like, oh, is it because I'm getting older? Oh shit, you know? So I really want to have juicy energy around because I know that feeds my system, you know, regardless of that. And I know that when that's alive in my life that I tend to not have any kind of, you know, non-responsive erectile issues popping up. So yeah, it, it feeds, you know, positive feedback loops are good.
0: So cool. Okay. I also want to know about the year of poly life that you had.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I was dating somebody pretty intently for about three years while I was in Santa Cruz, and she was a bikini. You know, she was basically kind of a sex worker, but would not have like her modus operandi was to teach men about self mastery, you know, like edging them basically through using her hands, only her hands okay. to bring them to an edge and not have them fall over that edge.
0: Hmm, fun.
1: Yeah, when you do something like Source School of Tantra Yoga, the idea is that you describe your sexual moment on a scale of 1 to 10, where, you know, once you hit 10, you're orgasm, you're coming. Now, on a slight tangent, that doesn't necessarily mean ejaculation for a man. That can be an energetic orgasm, right? And and those are sweet. I've only had those a handful of times in my life, not through much of, like, intercourse, but more through foreplay. Yeah. where it just gets to that point where you just feel so like, ah, what's all this energy? And so instead of like inquiring about the energy, you just letting it flow through me, that mm-hmm. you know, whole body just starts to basically orgasm, you know, yeah. and, and you just feel it in your body. And then you kind of ride that roller coaster for a few moments. And like any other orgasm, it starts to calm down, but you haven't lost, you know, what, Typically happens when you have a as a man as when you ejaculate, you know, your energy drops down. Your body, you know, starts to wants to recoup and rest and stuff like that. But with an energetic orgasm, you don't drop all the way down. You go to a lower state, but then it's much more easy to pick it back up.
0: What does it feel like in your body?
1: What's that? Like what I'm I hear you it?
0: speak in energy, but like can you put it into physical experience words? Yeah.
1: Yeah, like, you know, it drops down into my lower chakras, like my abdomen and my balls and my male parts. They, you know, they still feel really turned on. The The energy has, you know, run through me and it's just like another orgasm, but that energy hasn't been spilled out.
0: Okay, but for people who maybe are still trying to wrap their brains around energy, because we grew up really concrete. And even though we're now like woo adjacent or maybe fully in woo, When you say energy, when you say drops down, are you saying that you're experiencing physical pulses? Like, what is the physical embodied experience of what you're having happen, not just in your mind?
1: I am having like shakes. I'm having convulsions. I'm going to involuntary places where my body is just convulsing. I'm not coming in terms of the physical ejaculatory sense. So, those muscles aren't firing off. Okay. But Everything else is totally in an involuntary motion, where I'm just convulsing
0: on the bed. Okay, so it's just not ejaculation. It's basically the hands-free orgasms without the ejaculation. Exactly. One of my like funny little turn-ons is like I love sticking just this much of my finger in my asshole when I'm coming or having it be near there because I love feeling the muscle contract. I just love muscle contraction, whether it's me or a partner. Like that's my favorite part about orgasms: it just be means- good. <laughs>
1: It. Yeah, it's amazing.
0: <laughs> okay, so I derailed you. I would love to keep hearing about your year of Polly.
1: Yeah, my year of Polly. I had been involved with this person that was a Dikini, and that just ended. In that trajectory of being in a relationship with her, we had gone to a few sex clubs. We had explored one taste together kind of tumultuously because it kept bringing up issues for us that would trigger us and we'd just, you know, we'd have fights and things of that nature, just not feel, you know, the safety of that. And so for me, it was like, well, we're in this thing. This is kind of all about that. So when we broke up, I'm like, well, this is all about that. Meaning like I'm giving myself this time to not be serially monogamous. I want to see what it is, you know, am I capable of, inviting in this much yummy sex into my life and not have to caretake everybody you know outside the bedroom you know and like just by being forthright saying you know i'm, I'm not looking for a relationship beyond what we already have i mean if we're friends that want to have friends with benefits if we're someone like from the dance community where it feels really yummy and sexual and we want to do that you know great i i don't have to worry about if they have something around jealousy or something like that, I've already been very forthright about that. Mm-hmm. And so it does not become my responsibility to caretake them in that regard. So it was great. I remember, you know, privileged white male that I am, I remember one time like having a week where it's like I had like a different partner every day of the week. And that was super juicy. But it was kind of like the beginning of the end in some ways. It was like it was super juicy, but then it also left me feeling like this kind of vacuum around really deep connecting with people. And that's when I just really started to be aware about how much that I wanted my now wife to be that person.
0: Beautiful.
1: And so it took that exploring and stuff like that. And she was one of those lovers during that week, you know, that.
0: Well, That's what I was going to ask. Okay, so specifically like that person. (laughs)
1: Yes, yeah, so specifically that person, she was having other partners, you know, up here where we're living now. And I was being very forthright about me having other partners, but it just came down to it, you know, over time, I took a new position up in the Bay Area. And so we had reasons to kind of cross paths a little bit more, mm-hmm. actually doing training up in Sacramento for this engineering thing I was doing around solar. And in doing that, we had a chance to overlap, our lives. So if she would come down and visit me in Sacramento, I would, you know, would, and then it just dropped in more and more. It's something like this is something I really want to create with this person. So yeah, stars align. It's time to move. So yeah.
0: That is so funny how so often getting a specific type of desire met will then be like, Oh, actually, I want something different now. <laughs> I think there's a lot of judgment in many places, or I rather I see many people who judge themselves for being like, shit, I don't actually like this. And I'm sort of like, Oh good, I need a new flavor now. You know, like that, that <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> like actually oh no, actually I do want the deeper connection. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I now know what I don't know and I don't need to not know that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Had you had experience with deeply connected sex at that point or is this something that's newer for you in your like scholarly I don't know sexual I think of you as a sexual scholar now just so you know (laughs) scholarly (laughs) years like were you able to have deeply connected sex with earlier partners or is it something that feels different and new to you now
1: it has definitely evolved and one of those pivotal moments for me was that when I was doing my second tantra education course it was a 10-day course (laughs) and you're randomly situated with people And so you're going to have four sessions that this retreat is going to give you. Two of those sessions, you're going to facilitate for others. And the two of those sessions, you're going to be the receiver of those intentions from others. And I remember that as cards would have it, I had two beautiful blonde women work on me at the same time. And there was something about getting together with them. And again, you know, there was no sexual intercourse. There was no penetration or anything else. This was working with Tantra kind of in, in the pink area. Like, yes, they touched all my body. You know, they stroked me and it had a little bit of ass play just with hands. Mm-hmm. And But the idea behind that is so that way I can just drop into my body. Because so oftentimes in the past when I was being sexual with others, there's tension throughout your body. Yeah, You know, if if you're not really at peace with yourself, you're going to have these zones of tension and it's not going to let it happen. You're not going to get an erection or when you finally do, you might come really fast or, you know, you're thinking about X, Y, and Z when really you should just be here. And depending upon the circumstances, like in this case, with with this uh, session that I had, there was nothing else on the to-do list that day. Mm -hmm. My thing was just to receive. And the fact that I got greeted in a huge bathtub with two beautiful goddesses that are just there (laughs) to touch me and just to assure me that I'm okay. I am whole and complete, and I don't need to perform. I don't need to be there for anyone. did such a wonderful thing for my healing and nervous system that I was able to relate to to sex and to others differently. It, It just took it at that extra step of being able to let deeper trauma kind of go or at least kind of give me a roadmap to allowing that to go.
0: How different a place do you think the whole wide world would be if medical insurance covered some sort of session like that once a month? (laughs) If we all got touched once a month and had someone hold space for us once a month, you know, just physically, physically.
1: Yeah, well, massage is good for that, you know? It's like, let's, I mean, insurance won't cover massage. They won't cover... Active. They they won't cover a lot of it.
0: Okay, so you mentioned your butthole. Have you played with it in other ways, or is that something that you enjoy at all?
1: My buttonhole and I have issues. <laughs> Categorically, yes, I enjoy butt flight. I've been penetrated by men. I have had fingers. I I really have some of the best orgasms I've ever had was when my prostate's been stimulated, but that's Mm -hmm. only through masturbation. Like I was kind of awkward because it's got you really gotta get the angle and everything else. But that's like one of the most intense, you know, orgasms that I ever had was while my prostate was being stimulated while I was, you know, masturbating. But my partners have never really quite ever gotten that combination you know, of stimulating me while stimulating my prostate. So, you know, when we had this threesome with this very pansexual individual, it's like, sure, I'll fuck you. Okay. That wasn't the first time. I mean, you know, I went through this trajectory and it's kind of a tangent. But when I was about 14 years old, I had a friend down the street. The nearest thing we had to porn, because this is before discovering sexy magazines, was looking at the JCPenney and Sears catalogs at the bras section. You know, mm-hmm, And this is mm-hmm. like free internet, so this is the closest thing to it. And I remember like one time we're hanging out. His parents were gone. His parents were always gone. And we're sitting there watching TV. And he turns to me and he pulls out his pants he goes, suck my cock. And I thought, oh, he's just joking. Put that away. Stop playing with me. And then it was like years later when I started masturbating and started fantasizing and started like exploring my inner world around fantasy, like that came back to me. I'm like, oh my God, I think he was serious. Oh my God, what would have happened? And the thing is, is like back in the, you know, early 80s, homosexuality, any sort of homosexual act was not seen in the more positive light we have today. It was a and so I am still. doubly glad that I didn't explore it. I mean, I've explored it since. Now that I've uh, explored enough my own life and know more who I am and care less what other people think, if I had done that, if I had followed through of doing what he requested, I probably would have killed myself out of sexual shame.
0: Oh, wow.
1: I, I just Because I had, not there was no, I mean, as I've shared already, there was a lot of non-communication around sex mm-hmm. in my earlier years. So, I would have more embodied that shame. I would have internalized it more. I would have seen myself as less than, less than, less than, and not worthy. (laughs) And, you know, there's been times when uh, my self judgment's really strong and I have to like look at the positive things. And I've got so much positive affirmations moving up here. and, And I have it in my life. It just depends upon how much I want to process it, embody that. And so, you know, that's feeling a lot more positive. But I know that at a younger age, you know, I'm talking about like very early 20s, it could have been really, really devastating had I done anything, followed through on his request. But I now realize like, no, he was just probably sexually pent up and really wanted to release. Totally. That's fine. You know, I have no judgments about that at all. I'm just glad that I made the choices that I did.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and so, you know, my butthole being played with having sex with men at certain times up until recently, that's been actually quite a bit of turn on for me. But lately, you know, I've had some playtime with our, with our third partner. And for some reason after that, it's just suddenly like, I don't know, it has to deal with, you, you mentioned something in an interview about like emotional letdown, like after like those intense session aftercares. like sometimes you go through your day afterwards, like you're way down. Yeah. And I have had a couple of times like that. Like the first time I had anal intercourse with a woman after that, because it was such an edge for me, like three days, my energy was down. Whoa. And I was, okay. Wow. I mean, what is this deeper meaning for me in doing this act with somebody because of the things I grew up with, you know, I, this is uncharted territory, okay. you know, and, 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 still, you know, it's come to anal play for myself. I'm pretty open. I think it depends upon The context where it's happening and the people I'm with, sure, you know, have some fun with that, but like licking my butthole, nah, doesn't quite do it for me in my mental health.
0: Yet. Yeah, (laughs) totally.
1: But (laughs) like, if I just drop down, it's like that could lead to something, Mm. but I'm not there in terms of like my own process.
0: I don't know how to answer that. You answered it beautifully. Thank you. Because it's all just about like where we are in the process at this particular moment. So- I would love to hear about the parts of your body that we haven't gotten to hear from yet. Like we actually haven't gotten specifics about your cock or balls and the sensations that they enjoy. We've gotten a little bit about your energy body and your mental space, but tell us more about your physical body. What does he love? What
1: my body loves. My body loves touch. All my body is very sensitive. So recently I was at a music festival and I paid to be massaged. The practitioner was just really good. So, you know, I I was. Relaxing on the ground and I was laying face up and she started doing things where she was at my feet and she would lean forward and press gently on my legs, lower legs, my knees, my in, you know, she's got it to my inner, or my thigh to inner thigh area. Mm-hmm. And there's just that part that it, like, was like, Ooh, yum. You know, just feeling a yumminess around that calm, firm pressure you know, on my leg, you know, on my inner thigh, places that are tense can now, because I'm being pressed against another surface, ah, just relax into it.
0: Amazing. What about receiving in on your, like, specifically sexy parts? Like, what's the most sensitive part of your cock? Like, how do you experience those parts of you?
1: Well, when my partner is focusing her attention with her touch, like with her lips and her tongue, you know, on the lower part of my shaft, you know, working her way up for the, um, what's the, just below the tip, what's that called again?
0: The frenulum?
1: Yeah, that's really sensitive. One thing I've been wanting to explore is like frenum only stimulation to see ooh, where that would
0: take me. Frenulum only, ooh, okay. Frenulum
1: only, because that's like the inverse of orgasmic meditation. Because when you're oming, when you're laying there, you know, as a stroker, all you're doing is, not all you're doing, but your focus is on the clitoris with one finger. It's supposed to be very, and we can get into that later. But for the frenulum, you know, I want to have that kind of just that stimulation. And then to see where that goes, because that takes time to work into these kinds of juicy spaces, especially if you have a monkey mind that's going on you know, it takes time to allow those parts of my inner mind to calm down so I can really feel just what she's doing. Mm. You know, so if she's just stroking that, just that. Then if I feel tension, like in relating this right now to you, I feel tension just above my penis, just between my belly button and my cock, you know, I'm feeling this kind of tension. And so what I want to do, if she's just stroking that, is I want to feel that relaxness Because if I relax that, then blood can flow and things can start to happen. Ooh. So I want to explore that more. That's a future bucket list. I love that. A bucket list current.
0: <laughs> is there anything that feels very relevant to your story that has to do with like porn or nudes or sexting or things like that? Like, is that a very big part of your life at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, pornography has fit in the space of when I want to turn on in my life, I might... Watch a little porn on the side just to get some juiciness going because, so oftentimes, with bills to pay, and you know, I have my own small business, so I gotta think about all the logistics around that. You know, so having sometimes an external influence is helpful. So, having Mm -hmm. pornography in in something of those regards is empowering, but I'm also very picky about my porn. For example, I've gone through a lot of phases around porn where I really like watching blowjobs. And so, I mean, seeing just the attention and detail of somebody giving a beautiful blowjob is something I find extremely erotic. So, something like that, especially when there's obvious turn on going between the two people, you know, I like the amateur channels on things of that nature because ideally you're seeing people that are really there because they want to be there, they want to really experience the pleasure they're trading off with their partner. So, like, jumps are really key in regards to that, so you can actually see what's going on. Realizing how much I enjoyed watching that made me go, wait a minute, is this something that I'm exclusively watching because I want to receive that, or is that something that maybe I'm kind of curious about? Hmm. So I gave myself permission, like, hey, maybe there's some curious about that. I don't know. We'll explore that sometime. And I have. <laughs> it could be very enjoyable.
0: You mentioned that you are into leatherwork and rope. Does that come up in your sex life?
1: Oh, yeah, my partner wants that a lot. She really likes it when I, you know, have the kit out with the ropes and the leather equipment. I mean,
0: okay, so you play with power. We haven't mentioned this.
1: Oh, we have some power dynamics going on both in the bedroom and out. You know, she tends to be much more controlling in our day to day, but she likes it when I exert control in the bedroom you know ropes and leather are things that she really enjoys she likes uh you know sensory deprivation like you know blindfolds and things of that nature you know one of the fantasies i have in the future is like sometime have her either on the massage table or tied up but sensory deprived so she can't hear can't see and then it's not just my hands on her but several sets of hands so uh yeah i I did that one time in a non-sexual way she had some healing challenges to do and it was very much a therapeutic one so very clear like this is not a sexual thing and that was very empowering for her to feel all the love that people were sending her for that process so that's a fantasy of mine of in a very much of a sexual way you know one thing i have a special relationship with my leather tools because i made them all myself so wow. i've been in one of the many lives i've lived as i used to go to renaissance fairs and so in the process of being in with the Society for Creative Anachronism is that I got into doing leather work. And so when I started then crossing into a new threshold of doing stuff with one taste in their sexual mastery program. So for six months, we'd meet once a month in San Francisco, and it'd be an intensive workshop weekend. And one of those things they went into power dynamics. And they brought in some people like Cleo Bois. Have you heard of her? No she's a legend in the bdsm community and i got her actually the woman i was with at the time dating at the time we were kind of fumbling around with ropes that weekend and she called her over she just happened to be at the right place at the right time cleo was leading this class and then she happened to be walking around seeing what people were doing and i was the one who was going to get tied up and she tied up my junk like i had never imagined them being tied like balls cock just tied up and you know looking rather engorged but it was really tight but it wasn't uncomfortable and i was like wow this is possible this is amazing you know and so yeah having just a master who knew her stuff so well work on me it was just mind-blowing that's just more of my background in terms of like when i'm working with my wife my partner you know or if we get into another situation i haven't tied up anybody else in recent memory you know since i've been married But like with my wife, it's like she likes being restrained. She likes all the different things. She likes being exposed, like having her butt up in the air and let me just play with her in that regard. We have to put down a splash pad because it gets juicy.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) So as you look back on all the experiences you've had, what were the moments that you felt most turned on or most turned off by? Is there like one or two of each maybe?
1: Yeah, most turned on, I would say, is when I'm in a place of not knowing what's about to happen. Like one example might be going to a sex party where there's a whole banquet that's potential that's there, but it hasn't fully happened yet. That's super exciting. So which way could it go? You know, and then when you start to go into playing in those environments, it still has such, you know, you, you have maybe a dozen other people there. So what random thing might approach to be a part of that that has such a turn on because you're in a place where consent has been discussed you're there with somebody that has agreed that yeah we're gonna be having fun here so there's that kind of giddy turned on feeling around that like it really has me you know excited and, and, and turned on in spaces like that
0: Fuck yeah, yeah! when there is safety and the feeling of possibility, what could be hotter? What about turn-offs? Turn-offs,
1: conflict, self-doubt, self-criticism. I mean, like water sports or certain plays around bodily functions going out. No, that doesn't turn me out. Okay.
0: What are you hoping to explore going forward?
1: I'm hoping to explore more freedom with my partner, You know, one thing I really love about having a committed one-on-one relationship is the ability to really drop in. And, you know, even though like we may or are currently (laughs) somewhat in conflict, you know, being able to drop into that assured space of just loving each other and getting to know each other so intimately to have that further deepening permission with my partner, so that way she can dive into what really turns me on. So like in the, having this conversation with you, I've realized how much I don't like have focus being on, on me in a certain way. So that's mm. what I want. So that is part of Tantra. That's part of, you know, being fully alive is where you bring your awareness to your body. And I think that's one reason why blindfolds and all those other sensory deprivations are so powerful because we bring our awareness to that.
0: Fuck uh, yeah. Have you worn a blindfold?
1: Well, there was one time. One time where there was a session when I was dating the uh, bikini, and it was during a time of sexual exploration, during one taste. I was blindfolded, I was tied up, and she brought over two other women to play with me. And that was fucking really hot. I was being touched all over, didn't know what the next sensation was going to be. And then suddenly there's a warm mouth on my male parts. I was like, whoa, okay, this is is great. (laughs) More of that, please. You know, and so more experiences such as that, that allows for playfulness, a sense of assuredness. Like, you know, it doesn't have to go beyond this moment.
0: Okay, so we got a little preview, but if you could go back in time and give Younger You a piece of sex advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say?
1: Oh my God. I would definitely sit myself down, have like a, the pillow talk where, you know, helping me map out how the female anatomy really is. Like, mm-hmm. where's the clearance? <laughs> There's, you know, the importance of it, the dynamics of it, the, the anatomy of it. I would talk to myself specifically about my self doubts and being safe, like definitely always, always, always wear a condom because, you know, it's gonna really mess up your future when you don't at a critical time, you know. And so one where I compassionately talk to my younger self about how social structures are important to recognize, but they don't have to dominate my inner world. You know, it's important to know that somebody else might feel uncomfortable if I start talking about sex a little more openly than they're comfortable with. But then, you know, have a more forthright conversation either with them or just don't bring certain things up.
0: We're all developing the conversational ability to be like, Hey, can I talk to you about XYZ topic? Cool. You know, like that's, I'm really big at on check-ins these days.
1: Oh yeah. It was one thing I adore about you and this whole podcast that you have is that you are empowering people in ways that I so had could wish for my younger self, but also I wish, I wish for my daughter, for example, growing up, I want her so just empowered in life, yeah. you know? And so, you know, that's one of those things where it's kind of like, okay, I know all this great stuff about sex. In this world, I'm never going to be able to share any of that with my daughter in terms of just having even a conversation. That's awkward. I know there's no. That's
0: you. Okay. Okay. I don't usually insert my opinion this much, but I strongly urge you to go read Beyond Birds and Bees by Bonnie J. Ruff. The only way we can have generational healing is if parents talk openly with their kids. Yeah. I mean, she might be awkward. Everyone's going to be awkward, but like, go read that book.
1: Yeah, no, I, I will check that book out.
0: My parents I, that, are, are safe. They're just a safe spot for kids to come. The more that I've gotten older, obviously I'm not a parent. I only have parents, but I started talking to my parents about stuff and I just finally realized like they're fucking awkward. And like, because I want them to be a certain level of close with me, I finally just started talking about the work that I'm doing and like they are awkward because they're in this whole American narrative of like, oh, we have to be awkward about it because it's how we got raped. But it's like, <laughs> I can change it. You can change it. You know, like we're from the same place. Like we can just choose differently. And if you don't think it's awkward, your daughter will probably adjust. I I don't know. I can't speak for her. I know
1: she is an amazing being. I know she'll adjust. I know her and her mom are already having these conversations and it's evolving. It's slowly but surely. Uh, There was this one little story. So I I told you I I go to music festivals, right? And so I took my daughter when she was almost two years old to this thing up in Grass Valley called World Music Fest. It's like a five day event. So showers need to happen, right? It was just me and her at two years old. And so I had to take her to the men's side where the shower stalls and everything else and everything's partitioned, but from six feet and above it's open space, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm getting her naked, getting ready to take a shower. I'm naked, we're gonna take a shower. And she says very loudly, Daddy, you got a penis. I got a vagina." Mm-hmm. And the snickering from around me from the other stalls, it just melted my heart. I'm like, okay, I'm not there yet, but we'll get there in time where <laughs> it's going to be acceptable and everything's fine. But I mean, I grew up in a house of silence. I introduced the hug to my family. Yeah. That's how closed down my family was around sex. And uh, my mom being an RN was probably one of the main things around having that bombshell happen early in my life where fortunately we could have a bonding moment and talk about, you know, STDs and things of that nature. Yeah. I, I remember one time my dad was having some serious medical issues. We were in San Francisco and my mom and I are out wandering around the city, went into a store and there's a very handsome black man. There. And my mom turned to me as we we're walking out. She's like, "Woo." That guy, mm. I like. I just looked at her like, "Mom," <laughs> you know. I'm really glad to hear that, but it's the first I've ever heard that you've actually like had any degree of wandering eye. And like, yay for that! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were so shut down now that makes me sad. But all right, mm. any little turn on is good.
0: Yeah. Well, also, just to be very clear, there's a big difference between parents being a safe resource for kids and, like, you know, being a friend or telling them about turn-ons, too. So it's just different context for every person and every family, too. (laughs) So, yeah, I can understand how you might feel awkward if you think that that's what the sex talk with your daughter is (laughs) going to be like. Will, thank you so much for being on Sex Stories.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor and a privilege and a
0: blessing. Thank you. Do you have a sex question for me? Do you have any juicy
1: stories from orange orchards experiences? Because when the flowers are in bloom in the orange orchards, it's really a good smell to have around you.